Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. And welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I am, of course, Ew, cr- no, course, no, course. <laughs> I am, of course, Christine. And I'm Regina. Today we have a super amazing guest. Leah! Hello! Hi! Yay! Okay, Regina, no, you have to tell everyone how we met Leah. Yeah, of course. So I met Leah a couple months ago, and I actually met her through Instagram because she made a really, really, oh my gosh, it was such an amazing post detailing her favorite podcast, and she listed us as one of them. (gasps) Both me and Regina were like, um... Was that on accident? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, and then I was like looking through stalking her, essentially. I'm just really good at stalking people. Um, She's really creepy. Yeah. (laughs) From that point, I started watching all of your videos and seeing what you stand for and what you really care about. Like, I've never seen a skincare guru like you who will like detail the ingredients and talk about like what it's actually good for. Christine and I both suffer from like acne growing up. And I think that that was something that I really appreciated from watching your videos. I'm actually uh, going foundation free today. Oh my God. Yes. Inspired. By Leah. <laughs> she uh, started this hashtag foundation free Sundays for her fans, and I just like love that message. And you're launching your own skincare line soon. I know. Yeah, I am. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm just really, really thankful for you guys for inviting me here to one of my favorite podcasts. I just wanted to say, like, as a listener and a big fan of the Perfectly Imperfect podcast, I really appreciate what you two are doing. And I've been just telling this to both you, Regina, mm-hmm. and Christine, that I feel this special bond and connection to your content, especially because all of your advice just comes from a very genuine place. Aww. And I can feel that as a listener. And it just makes us feel like our problems aren't unique. And even though we might not have the exact answers in life, it's still you know, figure outable. And I think that that's what differentiates your podcast to a lot of other kind of self-help podcasts out there. Oh, oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how to don't respond. Cry. No. <laughs> well, I, the feeling is mutually. Uh, when we watch your videos, I was like, oh my God, yes. Everything mm-hmm. that you're saying from not only your skincare tutorials and super informative videos. I'm like, oh, is that how the skin and body works? I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but to your, you know, life advice i'm like oh my god do you want to be our third host of perfectly imperfect (laughs) christine's like ready to replace me with you (laughs) hi this is the perfectly imperfect show with christine and leah (laughs) (laughs) no um, regina's place is not (laughs) so i'm so ready to jump into a point where a lot of people are at especially in their 20s where they're trying to make that big decision whether or not they should stop and go for their dreams. Take the risk and do it. Or choose a more stable path and listen to what other people are advising them to do. You have been on this journey, this transformation, as well as Regina and I are currently going through. You're going to answer a lot of questions and help so many people out there with all these fears and struggles inside their head, just hearing what you've been through and kind of like an older sister giving a heads up. 
Mm-hmm, definitely. I'm so flattered. Oh my God, <laughs> you guys. No, no, I'm ready to reveal every bit of my entire life. Oh, all right. Okay, well, that changes everything. Yeah, Christine like just changed all the questions in her head. Wow. So we definitely want to start off with this concept of once you graduate, working in corporate. A lot of people have the tendency to have a lot of negative things to say. I th- don't think that the positives of it is talked about very much. So definitely definitely want to hear about how you started a little bit more about your corporate life. So back in university, I studied architectural interior design because mm-hmm. I always wanted to become an interior designer and design buildings. I found that really fascinating. But in my senior year, I realized the K-pop thing was happening. And as K-pop groups were becoming a thing, the interest naturally shifted to Korean beauty as well. And I thought I could really chip into, you know, spreading this phenomenon to even wider, even more internationally. So that's when I officially started my YouTube channel to kind of give information out there about Korean beauty products. And I applied to work for Amore Pacific. And soon I heard back from them that I got the job. And I know it was a rather big shift from designing to a job that really doesn't have anything to do with design. But as many of you guys know, what you studied really doesn't matter much, or it shouldn't really define your career path, at least, as long as you're really open-minded and you're more than willing to give a shot to something new. I think I just realized that there are far more superior designers out there. And I don't think I was necessarily ready for jumping into the architecture field because generally the pay can be pretty tough to live on. Mm -hmm. And the working hours that you need to sacrifice is a lot. I don't think at the point when I was graduating, my passion for architecture or design was strong enough to cover all of those. So did you always like have a passion for skincare or was that just something that was like budding at the time? I think it was naturally innate me that was always inside me and that was my passion, but it was like a passion that I cultivated throughout the opportunity that I saw. Because I know a lot of people, they spend a lot of money and a lot of time studying a degree. Why would I give up four years of studying? I'm in debt because of this, but I'm not going to get a job in that field. How did you do it? Like what was going on in your head? Oh my God, this kind of feels like a life there. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Wow, you guys are keeping me on the edge. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think that's a really relatable feeling. I remember I was like that. I didn't know. You know, school only teaches you so much. And then when you get into the real world, you're like, oh, what? I have to intern. I'm not going to get paid. And then like reality sets in. Then you really start thinking like, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? For you, did you get jobs or internships in interior design? And then you really got a feel for, oh, this could be what I have to do and I don't like it. Or you just kind of had a feeling inside that this wasn't for you. No, it wasn't necessarily the feeling that interior design wasn't right for me, but it's the feeling that I had with seeing all the opportunities ahead of me like K-pop booming out there and also K-beauty rising. And I thought there were bigger opportunities in that field. And measuring the weight between those two naturally just made it easier for me to make a decision, I guess. And I'm a very multi-passionate person. When I do and when I study something, I give it all in. 
so that I don't have any regrets. I think once I kind of experienced all of the four years of studying interior design, I felt like I was done with it. I definitely relate to that. I studied psychology and business management. I thought I was going to do the medical field. So that's why I felt like psychology was that happy in between. It was kind of like that middle ground to make my parents happy while also like studying something that I felt like I could really enjoyed. Like the fact that you're able to be like, hey, this K-pop thing is pretty cool. Who would have known that now, you know, there's no major for that. (laughs) There is is no major for that. You definitely jumped in at the perfect time. That's the importance of developing self-love because then you learn to trust that internal instinct. So even though you can't explain it, there's no evidence where you're just like, okay, K-pop mm-hmm. beauty and myself, I have a passion for it. Sometimes it's not as straightforward as that. Like we were talking to Jeanette and she knew at like eight years old that she was going <laughs> to you know, be a designer and a poet. For a lot of us, like still, it's not so straightforward. Mm-hmm. But then I think that's where the other side of it to use as an asset is to focus on the self-love so that you can be like, okay, there's something in me, I can't explain it, but I feel like there's something there and I am worth pursuing this to try it out. And it's not necessarily like I have to give up everything to do it. It is just maybe on the side, like a side hustle and starting off that way. Hearing your story, it was like, wow, she really just went with what she felt at the time was right for her, not knowing what the outcome would be, but it paid off. You know, it really has led you to where you are now. I think also like whatever I learned throughout the entire course of learning about architecture is all about problem solving. And design thinking is very much revolving around the problem solving. So I think once you kind of embed that into your asset and bring that to whatever industry that you go into, you're never going to feel like you're giving up on your major. Mm. I love that. That's a really good way to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Before we dive into that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about like your corporate experience? So in Amore Pacific, I was working in the e-commerce team. That involved not only sales, CRM, target marketing, advertising, but also it allowed me to work with all of the different brands that's under Amore Pacific Group. For instance, there's like Sorasu, Amore Pacific, Laneige, Iope, like all the major brands. And I thought that was the coolest part of my job. (laughs) And of course, the working environment itself was pretty dynamic, which required very, very long working hours. And I was going home at like 10 or 11 p.m. every single day. (laughs) But I still enjoyed the job itself inside the corporate environment. And I definitely learned a lot looking back. Working in a big corporate job has its pros and cons. But the cons for me was that it didn't challenge my creativity Mm. as much as I wanted to. And in fact, it was kind of killing my creative side. Mm. And as a junior associate, your voice doesn't get heard I felt like my existence inside this big corporate doesn't matter much. Mm. How long were you at the company for? I worked for over two years. And then did you have your YouTube channel before you started? or? Yes, okay. I started my YouTube channel before I got a job in Amore Pacific. But while I was working for Amore Pacific, I couldn't really upload that mm. much. So it was more like inactive for two years. Oh, yeah. wow. So I guess my question is, in your guys' experiences, what were the pros to working in corporate? I know it's not all cons. Like, that's the last thing we want to paint corporate as because I feel like 
it really depends on what type of person you are. I definitely think that there were a lot of pros to my time at CBS. Sometimes near the end, I was feeling like a little stuck, but I think that you'll feel that way at whatever company you're at for around two years. Here, let's start with the negatives because I, I like to start negative and go positive. <laughs> so definitely a lot of the negatives were... There's a lot of that like corporate structure. There are a lot of rules and regulations. I worked for the radio side of things too. So it was very old fashioned. People were very bullish on digital, even oh. though digital was the direction that obviously a lot of the industry was going for me, especially so early in my career where I'm really excited. Like I want to learn, I want to do things. And I felt like that was kind of like a hindrance. But with that being said, you know, a lot of the positives were the fact that like, the structure at CBS was that it worked a lot like a startup, so I could work through like a lot of the different divisions, which is something that I really enjoyed. Coming from the YouTube company where it was a really small startup with three, four people doing the jobs of 50. Yeah, doing the job of 50 or like doing the job of like just across different departments where there wasn't that immediate structure. I think it was really interesting for me to be able to know, oh, what's business development? What's marketing? What's social? And being able to learn about the different teams, how we can work together. And I think that that helped me build a lot of confidence in myself. I think that because I was able to work across all these teams, it allowed me to understand like the greater scheme of what I was always passionate about and being able to actually turn it into an actionable right. plan and like to create a product mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. Hearing both of your guys's stories and journeys, it is in hindsight, you get to see the link of what brought you here so far. And corporate was a really big part of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you, Leah? There are so many pros, actually, working for a big corporate. If you really think about it, that big corporate started from somewhere mm -hmm. with one person or one small team. And to be able to experience and see how one business executes its decision to reality, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, there's so much to learn from it. And I guess like the one regret that I have while working for a big corporate job was that I wasn't more curious or I wasn't really going out of my way to learn something or taking on more projects and taking on more tasks. There are so many resources and funds and opportunities inside the big corporate that you can really take advantage of that small startups or working by yourself can't really offer. Mm. And also for me personally, it just taught me a lot of Interpersonal skills, I guess. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Learning to deal with difficult people, learning yeah. to work across different teams. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Like the structure is so strict and the working environment in Korea can be a little bit too tough. You're kind of like trained to face whatever problems in any kinds of corporate structure out there. So mm. yeah. The closest to corporate I've ever worked it was an internship at DreamWorks. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, and I was a lonely intern, and <laughs> it really taught me work ethic. But then I also just felt like it wasn't for me. You're just kind of like a cog in this whole monster of a machine. But then this machine is also creating something that you've admired for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So I really do believe that corporate can teach you so much at this age. The point of all of this is to get to answers however possible. And I think when you work in a corporate job, just because the amount of people in the different positions, if you really show initiative, you can go and meet a lot of people. And I really think it's really beneficial to find someone as your mentor who has like really gone through it. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's also a very humbling experience if you're like early on in your career and you're kind of like the bottom rung of the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> People won't give you the time of day unless you show to them that you're worth it. So like having to prove yourself and work hard and not just have that handed to you. Yeah, I agree with you. Like that definitely taught me a lot of work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, from that point on, you guys started to feel something where it's like, wait, this, <laughs> this might not be for me, right? That's the step that I think is so, just so fascinating because there's a lot of people that don't listen to that specific voice. Mm. You shut it down because mm. you're like, no, 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 that's too scary. What do you mean? I don't, uh, you know, <laughs> and then after a while, it just starts to get more and more quiet, right? Because you just learn to suppress it. So then for you, Leah, when did that tingling feeling come about for you, for you to transition to YouTube full time? Um, that tingling was always inside me. (laughs) I mean, like, as I said, I'm a very multi-passionate person. Even though I really loved working for a big corporate job, it was always inside me to do YouTube full time. And I told myself that I'm going to quit when I'm ready, whether that's like being financially ready or mentally prepared. But of course, the income that you generate through YouTube (laughs) is not going to be easily compared to what you earn at a big corporate job, especially if you're measuring the stability. And one moment you're going to realize that you're never going to have that clarity, (laughs) especially if you're transitioning from a very stable job to a very unstable job. (laughs) I guess the lesson that I learned is to just throw yourself out there before you're ready. Human beings are really adaptive, so you're going to make things work from any given situation, but having a clear intention does really help. So what really helped me decide was measuring the contribution and the impact I can make over time between those two jobs. So figuring out which option is more meaningful to me and to the world. And in that sense, I had much clearer answer as in like, I can empower so many young girls in how to look after themselves. And I can get direct feedback from my subscribers. And I think that gave me a clearer answer for me to quit. I love that. Yeah, because that's where I think the three of us really relate on why we are on this path. And it's really easy to look at where you are now and be like, oh my God, they must just have something, right? They must have just always known. But no, I think the struggle was real (laughs) when the transition (laughs) happened, right? It's really deciding what type of person you are. And this is why it's like self-love and getting to know yourself It's the most important part of all of this. Mm -hmm. It's really learning about yourself and what speaks to you so that you can be the most authentic and real. And it starts with stuff like, you know what? I kind of like having people telling me what to do and I get my off hours and I have time to play. I have my weekends. But when you're working for yourself, there is no quote unquote off hours. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people cannot intake that because you're just like, oh wait, I get to create my own life. I get to create my own schedule. But really, it's like you get what you put in. So when you're not putting in work and you don't have discipline, then you're not going to be coming out with anything. And that takes a toll. So true. Doesn't that take a toll on your whole 
outlook of yourself, your your insecurities. Of course. Is that what you experienced? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. Tell us, Leah. So when you transitioned into YouTube full time, Regina was telling me a bit about the struggle for you. The struggle. Yeah. Well, to give you a better understanding, it's been exactly two years ever since I quit my job. Yeah. And it divides into two different phases, which is a downhill <laughs> and, and the uphill. Oh, we know the downhill for sure. <laughs> I mean, as Christine was saying, like up until your corporate job, you're mostly told to do things like I was told to do a certain assignment in university and I was told to do a study and I was told to do a certain task in a corporate environment. But not having a boss to dictate what I need to do mm-hmm. was probably the hardest part to adjust at first. And I think many freelancers can relate to this. You can be the most generous or the toughest boss to yourself. Yes. <laughs> and I guess finding the right balance in self-disciplining was hard because no one can teach you how to rule and control yourself. So in the downhill phase, I was like the most generous boss. <laughs> Life was so easy. You know, I had all the excuses to sleep in and really be lazy, eat whatever I want, live really, really unhealthy. And I used to go to sleep at 6 a.m., wake up at noon. And you know, like all the creative artists out there, when you listen to their lives, they feel like they only work when the inspiration comes. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You're describing me right now. Like, I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to let it come. Yeah, I, I don't want to force it. It's not, it's, yeah, it's going to come to me. And I guess like I was just coming up with all the excuses to have that very chilled and relaxed schedule. And I was just indulging into that. I was kind of drunk in the fact I was doing YouTube full time and my life is amazing. I get to work whenever I want and wherever I want. And I was pumping out a lot of videos at the same time without any clear purpose or clear intention. So I was unloading videos for the sake of unloading. That really destroyed me over time because I wasn't really achieving any kind of sense of fulfillment. So I wasn't growing as a person. I wasn't growing as a YouTuber. Yeah, no self-realization, no self-love. And I was just really in denial, I think. What were the videos that you were creating at the time? It was more like the mechanical things that I reviewed certain new products. It's easy to review a product, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like satisfying myself that I completed a task Mm. rather than I completed a mission to serve a greater good. Did you feel like you were selling yourself that because you made the decision to leave corporate, like a very stable job, and you're like, I should be fulfilled. This is my dream job, right? I was definitely lying to myself. And the funny thing is I just didn't realize that I was lying to myself. Mm -hmm. So you kind of told me that you hit this rock bottom. How did that feel? felt shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Because I was such an in-denial state with my own self, I was just really never honest with my own self. So I didn't really recognize who I was and where I was going. So that really surely affected my self-esteem. And you know the easiest way to tell that you're not being honest with yourself is to look at yourself in the mirror. Mm. And... If that makes you feel very uncomfortable, like there's that moment where you look at yourself and it just feels really awkward. Mm. And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, there is certainly a broken relationship you need to fix with your own self. And 
it really hurt me so bad when I realized I wasn't really in a good shape. But in order to bounce back, you need to realize where you currently are. So that also served me as a tipping point to really transition into a full-time YouTuber to grow ever since. Mm. Can you relate to that? Like the looking in the mirror and you feel like really awkward? I totally know what you're talking about. Like today, as I was preparing to come here, I was kind of looking at myself and I was like, am I doing everything that I want to be doing? Am I living my life to my fullest potential? Oh man, it is, it's real. And it's a struggle because, you know, there are all these things that you want to do. And even when you're doing them, sometimes it does feel very mechanical. Like on some weeks, it's, it's hard to crank out these episodes. It's hard to set time aside and be like, this is my passion project. I need to do it. It becomes such a routine that you do lose yourself in the process of like, why am I doing this? What is it really for? I think that that's something that really does dilute the purpose that you have for everything that you do. I completely agree with what both of you guys are saying. I think like even in my dream job, I had that moment where I was like, I'm unhappy. You don't feel right. And that is the same moment as Leah's saying. You just know that whatever you're saying to other people when you're like, I'm fine. No, things are good. Oh my God, we're working on this. Like, you know, it's not real. You know that it's almost like rehearsed. There's something that just doesn't match up. It's like a pitch. Like you almost have to convince other people, but then you're really convincing yourself. And I think the turning point in my experience is... The mentality. I think there's certain situations where you're like, okay, am I just being negative? Am I just not appreciating what I have? You have to line up the facts with what life is and what your priorities are. Because like Leah said, it was, what was her purpose? She did YouTube full time because she wanted a sense of purpose and to teach women how to live healthier, be healthier. And then suddenly she's not executing that in her own life, even though she's living out her passion job, mm-hmm. but her action wasn't matching what her mentality was. This is resonating with me so much. So hard. It's, yeah. You know, as I said in last week's episode, I just started a new job that's like very aligned with what I'm passionate about, you know, telling positive stories that empower women. Like the whole mantra of the company that I work for now is women inspiring women. Mm -hmm. And yet there is still that like inkling inside of me Mm. that's like, hmm. This is a good step. Mm -hmm. I want to learn as much as I can here, Mm -hmm. but I do feel that this isn't it. For me, it's like consistently listening to that, right? When you are whispers. Yeah, the little whispers, Mm -hmm. exactly. Because then they become like gnawing, right? Mm -hmm. As Christine said earlier, if you keep suppressing them, they will go away. But if you kind of use them to serve as like little reminders of like, all right, what do I want to do? What do I believe in? What am I passionate about? I think that that's what really can help remind you. It may not be the quote unquote perfect time, but this is what I'm working towards. That's one of the things that I actually am quite scared of to take Mm -hmm. that like risk to just be like, all right, cool. I'm done with this nine to five life. I'm going to pursue this creative life full time because it's like, when are you ever going to feel ready? And I think that none of us will ever feel ready. When you were transitioning into that, how did you stay inspired through everything? I mean, once I realized that I was lying to myself and I'm in a really bad state, I shouldn't live like this anymore. (laughs) Things started to transform because I started waking up at 5.30 a.m. every morning. 
Oh intentionally <laughs> the moment I wake up and for about an hour I use that time specifically to not only go through like what I need to do that day but I also go through all the thoughts emotions and feelings I have because you always ask the people around you oh yeah like Regina how are you but you rarely get to ask that like simplest question to yourself like mm -hmm. how are you Leah what are you feeling and asking and having that conversation with your own self is so important to keep your keep yourself sane oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and if you really think about it like the longest relationship that you will ever have is not with your family or friend or partner but it's with yourself. So it really makes sense to put effort into nurturing that relationship that you have with your own self. The second thing I did before I do anything, especially when I'm creating a content, I ask myself why I do what I do. And that simple question really evolved my content creation process because you're shifting the focus on the viewers, not yourself. So I'm always asking if this video is going to serve its purpose, if it's going to be meaningful enough to go on YouTube. And if the answer is no, I would get rid of it from my list. Mm. So that really helped me um, evolve my content. And that is so awesome to know that. That's essentially why I want to talk to everyone about this because the way that Leah just described how she goes about not what her job, but what she's doing in life is what I feel every single person should be doing. So then you think about it from that perspective and that's why you want to get better. Not just for yourself. Now, how can you make more money? How can you be more famous? How do I get more followers? It's so that you can craft your skill so that you can better be of service to other people and to this world. Can you imagine a world if everyone did that and thought that way? Oh, it'd be incredible. <laughs> it, it'd be amazing. It, like, I mean, it'd be a lot of people that are always like, oh my God, what is my life? You know, <laughs> but then you grow from it because you have that itching feeling like I want to do better for you out there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I realized. When I'm happy and fulfilled inside, I have that much more to give to other people. Mm -hmm. But then when I feel empty and drained, everything feels like a task everything is just like oh get away from me <laughs> that's why that self-love is so important because if you have nothing left in you to give then you actually are just more of a detriment to society than you are an asset i love that it's what you represent as a person and that's what you represent in your channel and you can see it like when you watch your videos everything is like so genuine i know <laughs> yeah and like so Thanks authentic God. i really like the point that you made where it becomes about the viewers because you're looking at it from the viewer's perspective a lot of times when we come up with outlines or who you want to talk to it's really coming from well what do I want to know? What do I want to learn? Right. And these are the questions yeah. in my head. It's not just because I think that that's what people want to hear. It's because I genuinely want to know too. And if what Leah says can help so many other people and it can help me, then I know that we're on the right track. And it's not mm -hmm. to be like, oh my God, we have like Ted Fu on, so we're going to get like so many listeners. If you're thinking about it that <laughs> way, then you can expect to hit rock bottom really quickly. <laughs> yeah, I think that if you are truly passionate about the message that you you have to say mm -hmm. like it will come across in the content that you create and also i feel like you know i quit my corporate job to do and achieve fulfillment and if we can define like what does 
meaningful job mean to you? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be self-centered, mm-hmm. but it's always going to be like, what kind of contributions or what kind of impact can you make on other people? Mm-hmm. So the focus is always on the other people, the community that you need to serve. That naturally needs to be embedded in the content creation as a YouTuber, I feel like, if you're in it for the meaningful job. And of course, a lot of YouTubers start from a place where it was a hobby. Mm-hmm. So it was something that fulfilled themselves, that satisfied themselves. But if you really want to grow that and to make an impact in the YouTube platform, I guess that focus needs to be shifted to your followers. It's not your platform anymore, but Mm -hmm. it's the community's platform that you're in it. Mm. Knowing a lot of YouTubers and content creators, I feel like there is that shift right now where a lot of content creators who have been doing this for years have now gone to a point where it's like, what is the bigger picture? And it's really easy to distinguish YouTubers now who you see that they don't grow because they haven't realized what the real purpose is or they lost it. So they just keep going through the mechanical things of like, okay, this is what's trendy. They follow what other people are doing versus I feel like the ones who I really have come to know and are asking these deep questions to themselves. Like, what is it that I'm trying to do with what I have right now? What more can I do beyond beauty or scripts or sketches and stuff? It's like, there's something deep inside them that they want to learn more. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah, like it's definitely very interesting to see how it's evolved. And I do agree with you. A lot of my favorite YouTubers are the ones who keep it raw and honest, where you can see the dark days and the happy days. Now, having gone through the whole transition and doing YouTube full-time for two years now with a skincare line coming out. I definitely want to know more about your skincare line because just watching your videos, I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) everything that you were talking about in your videos about skincare and about the beauty industry i'm like oh so finally someone is speaking the truth and who knows what you're talking about beauty industry can we talk about that yeah let's touch on that because i've talked to a dermatologist friend of mine who was saying that she actually like really despises like the youtube beauty community because she was just talking about like oh these people like they don't have the right backgrounds and they're just like recommending products for the sponsorship they're talking about the products without actually caring about the audience and how that product will affect their skin mm-hmm. we're getting fired i'm getting very fired up <laughs> i might be probably one of the only youtubers to apply less than to apply more <laughs> and i think that resonates with a lot of people who are struggling with acne and who tried everything out there mm-hmm. and yet haven't seen any results You know, I struggled with acne for over five years and I listened to all of the advice that were given online or offline in Sephora from all of the brands out there and following the multi-step routine guide. Like, I mean, it can do something, (laughs) but a lot of times your skin is really just saying to just chill out. And (laughs) no, I'm serious. Why are you guys laughing? No, because I I didn't know that's what my skin was saying. (laughs) Because honestly, beauty in general, the beauty industry, (laughs) whether it's makeup or skincare, I think they purposely confuse us. Of course. Mm -hmm. So you're just like, I don't know. Like, how do you help me? And then I'm reading these labels of products that promise. I'm like, yes, I have dry skin, but I also have oily skin. So then (laughs) which one is it? Right. Mm -hmm. Before I went to my esthetician, she's like, bring in all the products you use. And then I'll tell you which one you should keep. 
I brought in over 30 products I was using. <gasps> Christine! Leah! I brought in 30 <laughs> products! And then I had no idea what I was doing because I was like, uh, okay, sometimes I have a big pimple and sometimes I have these little ones and sometimes my skin is dry. And so I was just like applying everything. And then my esthetician, she told me not to use any of them anymore. She gave me two products to use mm-hmm. after that. And I was like, what? I'm so glad you went to the right esthetician, by the way. Girl, I was 31. Really? Because my mom never taught me any of this. I didn't have an older sister. And then watching YouTubers made me even more confused because they were all recommending different things. <laughs> but no, but I went through that just last year. I was using like all these like acne products that was completely drying out my skin. Oh. And I had the tendency to have oily skin. Mm-hmm. But then I was getting dry patches. And I was oh, like, no. wait, what's happening? Like, So now you need an more exfoliator. Products. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And so I felt like it was like this never ending cycle of like the products that I was using was creating problems that I didn't even have to begin with. I guess there are two problems here. Like, first of all, the industry is, I'm going to get a lot of it. (laughs) But I'm not calling out all of the brands are like this, but majority of the big brands out there they would create products that would sell better rather than thinking about one's your skin health. Mm-hmm. So for instance, those kind of drying acne products, it will deliver a very short sprint of good skin because it's drying the zit out, but it's not fundamentally curing the problem. So because the industry is thinking like what product would sell better, it's obviously going to be the products that would give you overnight results, but that's not going to be necessarily a good thing to use over time. And that naturally is making a lot of products with over-promising claims or multi-steps routine guide, like 30 products you should use. (laughs) (laughs) My life. I mean, this is exactly why people need to follow you. Like, I'm so glad you have a channel because then when you lay it out scientifically, (laughs) you break it out like, this is what your skin is actually saying versus what the (laughs) beauty industry is telling you. You're like, (gasps) my whole life is a lie. I've been bamboozled. (laughs) Yes, the second problem is that us as a consumer, we're becoming more desperate and desperate to find the magic pill in skincare. But you have to realize there is really no magic pill in skincare. No! <laughs> I'm saying this even though I'm going to formulate a skincare line. Like, there's really no quick fix in skincare unless you're going to work with it. Like, you have to work synergistically aligning your lifestyle and, you know, stressing less, sleeping more. It's more beneficial than using a good expensive product. Mm-hmm. So if you're using one good product that promises to do like a million different things, but your lifestyle is like shit. No, it's not going to. You mean this clay skin. mask isn't going to cure <laughs> epic burger that I had for lunch? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to find the sweet spot, I guess. And that's why, as Christine was saying, like, how am I supposed to listen to this skin? <laughs> what are you saying? I don't yeah, understand skin about? language. Like, she's not talking back to me. <laughs> but really, like, your skin is a window of your health, and your skin is going to be signaling whatever health problems that you have internally, or any kind of nutrient or any kind of mineral that your skin is depleting, it's going to show in certain type of skin condition. Adding products can sometimes work by boosting whatever your skin can naturally do but somehow got delayed in the process of rejuvenating by, you know, external stressors or stress or UV radiation or all of these factors that damage the skin. That's when the skincare can help, but you don't really need to rely on it like forever. 
That's my philosophy. Oh my god. That is why I am so excited about your skincare line. Because oh my gosh. you're yes. so honest about it. Can you please tell us about your skincare line? I love that this is the philosophy behind it. That you only have like, what, two, three products that are really coming out? Yeah, so there are going to be two different series. So the core series is definitely something that I find people can benefit in maintaining a good skin health, which is to cleanse and to moisturize and also protect their skin from UV radiation, which is a sunscreen. And the supplement series is like a supplement that you cherry pick as a targeted solution. Let's talk about exfoliator. A lot of brands would say that you should use this day and night, every single day. And I'm going to say (laughs) you're going to ruin your skin if you use this exfoliator day and night. Incorporating an exfoliator in a healthy rate is definitely going to also nudge your skin cellular turnover and skin cell renewal process. But if you think about it, it's definitely not a necessary product. That's why I call it a supplement because you add it when you actually need it or when your skin is deficient in that certain nutrient. I can't wait. I can't wait. I know. I'm so excited. You're the only brand that I know that just that's what it is. You're delivering what you're saying <laughs> versus, like you said, overpromising and then having people waste money, essentially. And I just think that that's, that's the part where, you know, they get you with, you're not enough. You need this. You need that. If you want to look like this person, you need this, 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 this. And they have a great machine going for them mm-hmm. for business. Now they have influencers, right? Who are just like your friends who are like, oh my God, use this and this and this and this because it works for me. In one of your videos, you're like, you know, you have to slowly introduce and train your skin with new products. Like right. for me, I'm just like, oh my God, I slathered it on. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> fix me, fix me. You know, and my skin's like, I hate you. That's, I, yeah. Like, my skin was, that's what, that's what it was telling, telling you. Me. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I know. I definitely feel like that too, right? When you like start getting like the little clumps of like breakouts or whatever, you're just like, oh, that's fine. Let me just put more product on it and it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Like not actually understanding. So I'm so excited for your skincare line to come out i guess picking up that honest communication and having that honest guidance that backs up the product i think that's the purpose of why i'm here in the skincare industry i want to bring a voice to the skincare industry more than i want to add another product in a very oversaturated Mm. market i love that (laughs) yeah i mean honestly to wrap everything all up everything you just said the journey that you went through to bring you where you are now, that is the inspiration. That is the dream that I feel like everyone should be pursuing. That's what I mean by when you start with self-love and then you figure out what the purpose is and why you're doing what you're doing, then you can better direct your decisions in the future. Because Leah could easily have just said like, you know what? I know what I know. I know that this does well in the beauty industry and then me being an influencer, I could easily sell what I want to sell. I can mm-hmm. easily make products that I know based off the packaging and based off of this language and verbiage, I can sell more. I can make more money. But that's not her purpose. That's why her voice is so unique. And that's what the world needs. And Lee is just one person. But mm-hmm. that's the journey to hone in on your own voice and your own calling inside. And then then that drives you. So now all of Leah's information and stuff that she's soaking in and continues to soak in is to better serve her community. And now she's communicating to the rest of us who need it. I haven't heard anyone like Leah describe skincare and beauty regimen like she has. Oh, wow. I think that's it. That To me, that's such a as Oprah would say, an aha moment, you know? It's like you, <laughs> you meet someone and you're just like, 
this is why everyone should learn to love yourself because this is the beauty that you can create in the world. And this is where you need to listen to your own voice, like have confidence in your own voice. Because I think the more that you keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you love, keep doing what you're passionate about, you'll build that confidence in yourself. I think the key to what Leah's journey is, is about self-evolution. You know the quote where they're like, you're a fool if you keep doing the same thing and expect change. If your whole goal is to impact others and you have that passion, it starts from the self-evolution. You have to change things. So if I could give people a heads up about this journey, it's not about finding your end dream job. It really is about building the inner toughness to go through the self-evolution. And I feel like with self-evolution, it's not going to evolve without any failures or hitting the rock bottoms. And it's there to really teach you what you need to know and you don't know yet. So just taking that as a learning lesson, as a life lesson and leveraging that experiencing to building something bigger is crucial in evolving. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. And again, when you hit your rock bottom, remembering why you're doing it in the first place and Mm -hmm. being kind to yourself. Like, yeah, if you want to stay in bed one day, let yourself stay in bed because you're going to burn out. And that is definitely something that Christine and I, and I'm sure you have too, where, you know, you just go, 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 see what everyone else is doing and you just push yourself to the limit. I was reading this article too that was talking about how women are actually much more prone to burnout because of our ability to want to give all the time and that Mm -hmm. expectation of what we're supposed to be. I guess um, one tip that I can add to someone who's trying to transition from one place to another is to sometimes it's okay to tune out the noise and tune into yourself and tune into your intuition and once you made the decision to trust your gut you have to be responsible for it so put your 110% in once you decided that you're gonna take the leap of faith Mm. thank you so much Leah for taking the time to be on this podcast and sharing all your wisdom not only with skincare but with life this is amazing thank you so much for having me here it just means a lot and I'm really really happy to share my struggles and my failures in life because I think those are the stories that a lot of people would find it helpful I don't know no they definitely definitely well you guys are amazing (laughs) this is my favorite podcast oh my god oh my god (laughs) so where can our listeners find you oh yeah you can simply type l-i-h-y-o-o leah you on youtube and that's where you can find me when is your skincare line launching i'm aiming for the first of december but we'll see how it goes we'll be sure to link all of leah's information down below so that you'll be able to follow her and keep track of everything that she's doing so if you like this episode or if you feel like this message really spoke to you and could speak to one of your friends feel free to pass along the message that's the purpose of why we do this content not just i mean we always say this is a therapy session for us but we're hoping that it can inspire you guys out there to pursue a dream whether it's in corporate or in creative you know that's what we all believe in and it would mean so much to us to hear some of your feedback by emailing us at the perfectly imperfect podcast at gmail.com yay yay so we will see you guys next week bye, bye.